This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast that you can get, obviously, at betrivers.com and everywhere that you are able to get podcasts, whether it's Apple or Spotify, uh, or get it uh, from any of the many, many uh, mediums out there. Now, one thing, as we get ready to talk some U.S. Open, remember, go to Bet Rivers for all your U.S. Open bets in New York. There's a wide variety of them, and uh, it is a wide-open uh, board when you look at it uh, as the U.S. Open will get all, uh, underway tomorrow. Amidst all this controversy, they've all put the controversy behind them so that they can play some golf this week. They haven't settled anything, nor will they in the uh, days and weeks to come. We'll let this unfold over a long period of time. Uh, and it is a, a little different leaderboard than you've seen in the last couple of tournaments in that almost – Week after week, John Rahm is favored. He is not the favorite in this U.S. Open. As a matter of fact, uh, Rory McIlroy is coming off his win in the Canadian Open. Uh, he hasn't won a major in a long time, but he is the favorite at 9-1, to one, followed by uh, uh, Thomas at 10-1. to one. Scotty Scheffler, who's had a great year at, and is the Masters champion at 14-1. to one. Rom is also fourteen to one. As I said, that's the longest odds you've seen on Rom in a while. Uh, Cameron Smith at twenty to one. Speed at twenty five. You may be ill. Sam Burns at twenty eight. Dustin Johnson at forty. Kep get forty five, etc., etc. All the way down to this is hard to believe. Phil Mickelson at two hundred and fifty to one. Now you know that Phil Mickelson has always coveted the Grand Slam, meaning win a win in each of the four majors. He has never won the U.S. Open despite the fact he has been a bridesmaid many, many times, and some of them in heartbreaking fashion, as we know. Uh, can he turn around after shocking the world in the PGA? Can he turn around amidst all this controversy? And finally win a U.S. Open, highly unlikely. But if you believe that Lefty has that kind of drama in him, you know what? You're going to get paid well for the uh, prospects because he is 250 to 1. I've never seen Phil Mickelson anywhere near those odds. Kepka's rocketed up to 45 to 1, and he would automatically be a bet, except right now Kepka doesn't have his mind on business. He hasn't for recent weeks. We talked about that in, in the last couple of weeks, how we know that Kepka has not been, you know, with his mind on the game as he should be. There's rumors about him joining his brother on the LIV tour. Um, 
he didn't want to talk about it. I don't know if that means he's considering it. I'm sure he would command the kind of money that Dustin Johnson commanded. Uh, very hard to turn down that kind of money. Uh, reportedly $125 million for Dustin Johnson. There's talk of Ricky Fowler joining it. Um, there's rumors about other players. But again, like I said, we'll let that be for another day and we will get to the U.S. Open. Now, when you think about this course, you're talking about one of the oldest courses in the United States, over 140 years old. You're talking about a course that has, of any course that is used in any of the majors, the only one that has smaller greens is Pebble Beach. These are very, very small greens. You know the rough will be grown. There are a lot of shorter par fives that you can try to attack. I mean, excuse me, par fours that you can try to attack. There's, so strategy will be enormous. Now, you go pay a price when you don't hit the ball exactly where you want it if you attack those par fours. So there's a risk-reward there that usually goes with the person who strategizes there and doesn't try to attack it and go for the green because it usually will get you in a lot of trouble. And this is a course where they're going to miss fairways. They're going to miss greens and how they perform out of the rough, around the green, out of the rough, in the fairway, first cut, second cut, is going to tell the story of this U.S. Open. Uh, It is... A full field meaning that all the players that you would expect are back. They're playing in this tournament. Whether you're talking about Mickelson or Dustin Johnson or any uh, DeChambeau or any of the other guys, they're all here. And, you know, it's funny. When you used to think of the U.S. Open, you thought about course management. Short game. Hitting it straight. You know, making, making the wise play, and making enough putts. And in recent years, the U.S. Open has been won by the big hitters. Will that be the case at Brookline in this U.S. Open? Remains to be seen. Um, I don't think this course favors that hitter. I mean, it always does if you can hit it straight, but... That can be very difficult when you're trying to bomb it. You know, and DeChambeau said he would attack it the same way he attacked other courses of the same ilk in that he doesn't mind operating out of the rough and doing it from down, down, you know, downtown where he can, you know, just hit it as far as he can. And if he hits it a little wide, you know, he'll deal with the consequences. That's how he uh, will try and attack this tournament. Um A second on the controversy and how it's been handled. You know, the they clearly have tried to put some pressure the media has on the guys who went. Now, most of the players who went are older players who are past their prime and past their best days on the PGA Tour. Phil, of course, is over 50. But we're talking about Lee Westwood, Sergio Garcia, Poulter, Graham McDowell, 
players of that ilk who are older players. You can add Charles, uh, Charles Swassel one last week. You can add uh, Louis Oosthuizen. Um, these guys have seen their better days. They are not going to be the guys who are competing week in, week out on the PGA Tour. But then you add to that list guys like DeChambeau and add to that list guys like Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, and you have a very different situation. The one thing I find that is a little puzzling, I could even call it hypocritical in that people have tried to condemn them for taking money from Saudi Arabia, considering Saudi Arabia, so many people coming from that country being part of the 9-11 attacks. And whenever you bring that up, everyone in America has the same feeling about those events, those horrific events that, you know, have scarred us and still scar us to this day. But remember, this is a, this is a country in the United States that does enormous business with Saudi Arabia. Over 350 companies do business with Saudi Arabia. They are one of the United States leading trade partners. So the idea that, and we all know that Saudi Arabia has often played the both sides against the middle. They act like they're your friend and they act like everybody. They're everybody's friends because they're trying to basically play to everybody so that they keep themselves probably in an advantageous position and in a safe position. They have an incredible amount of money because of the oil. But to just say, oh, they're taking the money, how dare they considering what went on, that's been a tricky thing going back to the days after 9-11 because – this country has continued to do business on many levels with the government all the way down with Saudi Arabia. So it's, it's a very complicated issue. Even Rory said that. But the other issue is what do these guys want? They talk of growing the game. Or is it just flat about the money? But when you say, if you came out and said, hey, you know what? I'm Phil Mickelson. I'm 51. I'm not going to win a whole lot anymore on the PGA Tour. And these guys turned around and gave me $200 million. What do they expect me to do? That's probably the truer thing that happened. But you know what? Nobody's going to say that. They're going to talk about growing the game. They're going to talk about doing things for the future and in being, you know, creating more of a world tour, and et cetera, et cetera. Is that a fact? No, it's probably all about the money. The guys who went, went for the money. Can you blame Dustin Johnson? He's done everything he could do in his life, and now he gets, hit, he gets handed $125 million? Very hard for anybody to pass up. And don't think that you can be so, you know, whoever you might be, that you could be so holier than now that you think that you wouldn't take that kind of money. If somebody went and could offer you five to ten times what you make in guaranteed money, you know what? Your first commitment in life is to your family. You're going to do that. Most people are going to do that. And that's why Dustin Johnson said, hey, I took care of my family. Very hard to knock a guy for doing that. 
This is a complicated issue. There's no question. What does it mean for the U.S. Open down the road? Remember, these guys can still come back and play in three of the four majors. They just can't play in the PGA. They can play in the U.S. Open. They are. The Masters said so far nothing about disqualifying any of them. So former Master champions like Mickelson will be back. And any of the others who I think they, in the, in the opening LIV event, you had four past Masters winners. So now who wins this week? Who are we going with this week? The hot picks are what you would expect. There's a ton of people on Rory. There's a ton of people on Scheffler. I've been on them a lot recently. I'm not going to be on them this week. And there's always people on Rom. But Rom has not had a great year. Now let's see if he turns it around here and puts it all together. Because, you know, nobody drives the ball better than Rom. And, and very few players have a more complete game when, when he's on his game, which he has not been this year. The pick for me, and you know, usually I go to Kepka, but I don't think Kepka is with it right now. I think Kepka is distracted. I think he's dealing with other issues in his life, and I think that right now takes precedent. I don't think he is in the place he was in when he was winning those majors the way he was and dominating the way he was. I don't think he's right now the same golfer. Not that he's not the same golfer physically or talent-wise he is, but mentally I just don't think he's in that place right now. I think right now other things, other things in his life have taken precedent, and that's not the way to win golf tournaments. Guy for me, and like I said, there's a lot of guys you could run down the list that I didn't even mention who you could go with. I mean, when you look at it, there are so many talented players right now. You know, there are so many players who are just, you know, so good and capable of winning this type of tournament. Uh, Xander Shoffley, Matthew Fitzpatrick, who's a wonderful putter, Patrick Cantley, uh, Will Zalatoris, who, who has to be a more consistent putter, but that's all that's missing from his game. Uh, Colin Morikawa. Sam Burns has been playing very well. Shane Lowry's been playing very well. And you can go down and down and down. The guy I'm going with is... Now up to 22 to 1. Cameron Smith, I think right now, he is the most underrated player in the world. I think he's flying under the radar time after time. I think you have seen him be present in the big tournaments. You've seen him show... Really a wealth of talent. I like him. My second choice would also this week be 22 to 1, and that would be Xander Shoffley. I think he sets up well for this course. 
I've seen other people pick Fitzpatrick. I've seen people pick Cantley. I've seen people go with Lowry. Uh, I saw somebody go with Tony Finnell, says now is the time. I don't think on a U.S. Open course it's set up for him, despite his, you know, very solid talents. Seen a couple of votes for Max Homer as an example. But for me, the guy is uh, Cameron Smith, who I think is ready to step it up all the way. He has been knocking on the door in the big tournaments. He is a very talented player. You're getting a generous, I think a generous price on him at 22 to 1. Was 20, now it's going to 22. I think that's a very solid price. And I think he has a uh, really very, very strong chance, especially if he can knock off a decent, decent first-round score. Meaning just right where you want to be, two or three strokes out of it, just sitting chilly. That's where you want to be in what is a highly competitive event. You know, a few times we find a more competitive field than you get in the U.S. Open. It's, it's, it, it can be very, very tough. And it does challenge every part of your game. And it challenges your judgment, your patience, your experience, you have to steal your nerves to the events that will, you know, without question, unfold. When we come back, some emails. Email the Mike Francesa podcast. Drop Mike a note at mikefrancesapodcast at gmail.com. Go to Bet Rivers for all your U.S. Open bets. In New York, the U.S. Open gets underway early Tomorrow morning from the historic course in Brookline, Massachusetts, uh, a course that has been with us for over 140 years. So uh, the U.S. Open on this, what will be a Father's Day weekend, uh, always a very, very uh, special event. You can send me uh, questions, comments, Mike Francis, a podcast at gmail.com. Okay. Mike Francis, a podcast at gmail.com. We'll answer him. Uh, most shows, we'll try to see if we can squeeze a couple in. We've been doing that. This is from Dustin in uh, New Jersey. Do you worry about what the intentions of the LIV tour are? Because of who they are financially backed by, it worries me as to what their intentions truly are. They don't need the money. Is it an investment? They don't have a ton of money to throw. They, they have a ton of money to throw at these players, and they are broadcasting events free on YouTube and other sites. I'd be worried as players that you are beholding now to a group that you paid, uh, that paid you a fortune up front. Um, as I said, this is a very tricky issue from a standpoint of politics and a standpoint of a societal question. Clearly, they have an incredible amount of money. 
they produce, their country produces an incredible amount of cash each day from oil. I mean, the profits are just stunning. So they do have an amount of money that is staggering, amount of money that PGA Tour cannot deal with. And for the PGA Tour to commit, one of the things they've gone out and tried to say is, hey, we'd have to get rid of our charity functions and our relationships. We would have to get rid of our donations that we make to a myriad of different, uh, you know, different groups, different charities, different programs that we're in. And we might have to get rid of some of the smaller tours that we help fund. Sounds like that's not what you're looking to do. Sounds like that doesn't help golf. It just helps a few players. And right now, the only thing you're saying about that tour is, A, how many big players are playing in it, and B, who wins, and how much money does he make when he wins. Because he's winning a tournament that doesn't have any history. That doesn't kind of stick to your ribs because there's nothing there. It's not what this is about. So if you're Dustin Johnson to say, you don't win this so that you can lie back and say, oh, great, I just, I just won a tournament. It's unbelievable. Now let me get to the next email. Here we go. Um, this is from Michael. I don't like all-time NBA rankings, but I am interested in a few position rankings. At the center position, you figure that Kareem, Wilton, Russell are easily the top three all-time. When it comes to the fourth, though, I would rank Olajuwon over O'Neal. Curious to hear your take on this. Uh, I would also. Um, Olajuwon, Shaq, they would be right there. I mean, they're both... both right at the, you know, second level of players. If I call the first level eight or ten players, they could be right in right behind that. To me, the five top players of all time, and let's not put them in any specific order, are the three centers. Wilt, Russell, I mean, uh, Wilt, Russell, and Jabbar. Michael and LeBron. To me, those are the top five. Then after that, you put in that next wave of players, which is Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Oscar Robertson, right there. Then after that comes your next wave of players, Tim Duncan, and we can go from there. Who goes into your 10 slot? Who doesn't? What guy does? What guy doesn't? So to me, you draw a line at the five, You draw another line after the next three or four, and then you take it from there. But I would think those three centers are in a league of their own. But if you ask me about those particular two, I think Olajuwon had a little better all-around game. This is Mike and Maspeth. I just wanted to get your take on the Mets having a special type of team this year. They obviously are better with Buck at the helm, but what are your thoughts on players such as Marte, 
and uh, Davis and all the role players, guys who are not superstars but contribute a lot. Listen, the Mets have, I think, gotten a lot from Buck Walter in terms of stability, in terms of stressing fundamentals, in terms of building a chemistry for that team. Alonzo's had an MVP-type season. They've gotten solid performances from other people. They've gotten surprisingly good performances from some players they didn't expect it from. Uh, They can be a little deeper offensively. I think they have to get better against left-handed pitching. They might need one more right-handed bat. You know, the Mets and the Yankees could both be in the market for an everyday catcher. That's one place you could improve either team. I know the Yanks have hoped Higgy could hit, and he hit two homers the other night, one off a position player who threw the ball 38 miles an hour. Um, But the bottom line is they both could easily, with with one fell swoop, could go get one of the real solid catches that's available. And there's going to be, I think, at least two available this year. So that'll be interesting to watch. Will and Bayonne, as everyone knows, Aaron Judge is up for a contract uh, at the end of the year. If the Yankees and Judge can't come to an agreement, what team can you see really making a push for Judge? Um, listen, I don't. I, I think I think that the Yankees made a very fair offer to Judge. I think Judge is having an MVP season. But I don't think it should change how he should be paid. I have no problem paying Judge for six years the number one contract per year for any position player. I have no problem making that money uh, annual salary for him the highest in baseball for the next six years. What I won't do is I won't go and give him a $400 million 10-year contract. I will not do that under any circumstances. He will be 31 during the season next year. It's not like he's 21 or 22 and he's going to be 32 when he's done. He's going to be 40 when he's done that contract. So you are looking at some really bad years. Go ask the... uh, Go ask the... Angels about Pulhos. Go ask the Tigers about Cabrera. Go ask anybody about those contracts. The Cano contract, go down the line. Those contracts will come back to bite you 98% of the time. So I don't want to give anybody that kind of contract, and I'm not giving Judge that kind of contract. I'm just, I'm not doing it. I know he's having a great season. You can make the case he's going to put some pressure on the Yankees. That's fine, but I'm, if I'm the Yankees, I am not going to succumb to that pressure. I am going to make him a realistic offer, but it's going to be an offer that I can live with, not one that Judge can live with. And if Judge wants to pack it up and go somewhere else, I'll replace him. When you have that kind of money to give to a player, you can always find another player. The funny thing about this year is, The way it's gone for the Yankees, 
with the ease that they've been winning and the dominant nature that they have brought forth so far to the season. And they are winning at a clip that teams just don't win at. It will now, without any question, put pressure on them the rest of the way. This team has to, and underline has to, get to a World Series this year. It doesn't have to win the World Series because that's always a very tough thing to do on any level. But I think it's fair to say they need to play in the World Series this year. We all know great teams can lose the World Series. Many great Yankee teams, whether they were Ruth teams, whether they were Mantle teams, whoever they were, we all know they can get beat in the World Series. But the idea is to get there. And this team will face an incredible amount of pressure to get there. There will be no excuses. The question that you're going to have to answer is, will the Yankees, who now are clearly more budget conscious than they have ever been, with Hal at the helm, will they try to go through the rest of this regular season without making a major upgrade because they feel so good about their team? And if they do, then they've said, I got my hand. I'll play these. And that is a tremendous admission because this year, the only thing that's good enough is a trip to the World Series. That's the only thing that will be tolerated when you have a regular season like this, especially when the Yankees haven't been to the World Series in such a long time. Mike France has a podcast. Send your uh, emails to podcast at gmail.com. We'll get to as many as we can each week. We'll have another podcast for you later in the week. Enjoy the open. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.